Americans everywhere are finding ways to help their communities during the coronavirus pandemic. And problem solvers like Anurag Jain and Patrick Brandt are even forming partnerships across industries on the fly to deliver solutions quickly, like they did with Get Shift Done, which pairs suddenly out-of-work hospitality workers with nonprofits who have lost their volunteer workforce. As Anurag explains... On Saturday that week, about three weeks ago, Patrick called me up and we were talking about the hospitality workers being laid off and being disproportionately hit. And that's where we hit upon the idea. What if we take these hospitality workers, pay them some wage and have them work at the food bank or other charities to help people do what they need to do, basically have people that know food to help people that need food. And as Patrick notes, there's no reason why we can't keep this spirit of cooperation going even when things do return to normal. I think that if we can harness more of this type of work when you know things aren't at crisis level, it's just it's amazing how many more people might not be hungry or how many more people might you know, have a job or how healthcare might be more available. And it's just, we sometimes have these forcing functions like we do right now. And, and I think that when this settles, it's really important that we, you know, we rethink how we approach things. We'll talk about the problem-solving mentality and hear Anurag and Patrick's story. I'm Andrew Kaufman, and this is The Strategist, presented by the George W. Bush Presidential Center. Our two guests today represent organizations who have experienced seas of change in the wake of the coronavirus with a rise in hunger in families and record unemployment in the hospitality industry. Uh, Remarkably, they've combined forces and pivoted to help a lot of people and at breakneck speeds. First off, Anurag Jain is the chairman of the board of the North Texas Food Bank, which in 2019 served 78 million meals to folks in need. And that's just in 2019 when we had record low unemployment numbers. Anurag, thanks so much for taking a few minutes during a hectic time. Hey, thank you, Andrew. Um, let me just give you a little bit of background on the 78 million meals since you talked about it as well. Um, you know, our country has 40 million people that are food insecure. That is before this crisis hit. Mm-hmm. And one in six children in our, in our country were food insecure. That has obviously gotten a little worse. A th- if, um, 58% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. So that doesn't really give them a lot of cushion to go through something like what we're going through right now. And, you know, um, finally, about 17 million people work in the hospitality business. Um, the, restaurant, the restaurant part is maybe half of that. And they think that five to seven million people have been laid off. Which is just a, a staggering number that's hard to wrap your brain around. And so on behalf of those hospitality workers, like restaurant workers, we have Patrick Brandt, who is president of ShiftSmart, which is a technology platform that connects those workers with shift needs in their, in their industry during normal times. Um, Patrick, thank you very much for being here also. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, having us, Andrew. We really appreciate being here. Just you know, interestingly, you know, my company, um, ShiftSmart, we we did have this platform of connecting not just hospitality workers, but also healthcare and retail and light industrial. Uh, but I'll say that you know, no market or no industry got hit harder than the hospitality industry as a percentage. And so as we were you know, coming into the the COVID-19 beginning of the, the real crisis and what it was doing to the economy, we were seeing just a, 
asymmetrical need uh, for hospitality workers to find uh, work. So with that as our backdrop, out of that comes Get Shift Done, which I'll need to be really careful saying. We've, we haven't had to bleep anything, and we've done about 50 episodes, and I've yet to have to bleep something, and I hope I'm not the first one that, that falls victim to it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, we'll try to this... help you, Andrew. <laughs> so we'll tell you the story of how it happened. Yeah, please do. Please tell us how this got started, because y'all are getting some great press from the Wall Street Journal and NBC, CBS. Tell us how this got started. Yeah. So I uh, told you about sort of the food insecurity in America. Let's go to our area, so North Texas. In North Texas, North, the North Texas Food Bank uh, delivers food to about 13 counties or caters to about 13 counties, right? In those 13 counties last year, like you said, at the height of the economy, we gave out 78 million meals. But the way we do the meals is that we need volunteers to come and volunteer to do various things like prep, clean up, box, kid just do a bunch of different things to get these foods from the way they come in to the way they need to get to people. We needed last year 35,000 volunteers to do that function. Then COVID hits us, right? And I walk out of a meeting on a Friday where we're sort of faced with a daunting set of circumstances. First, the need for food is going up dramatically. Just so you know, in the last few weeks alone, the need for food has probably gone up 60%. I'm probably understating that. So the need for food is going up. The second thing is how we deliver the food is changing. So we want to find ways that are contactless. In the past, people could shop for food and come and meet who they needed to pick up the food they wanted to go. But now we wanted to create a way to just create boxes of emergency supplies a week to uh, a month for the food and drop it in front of people or have them sort of drive by and pick it up, right? So it became a little bit more of a complex operation to take the food and convert them to these boxes. And lastly, and most importantly, the volunteers are simply not coming. So you have a triple bank, right? You have more food needed, more complex value chain to get the food done, and the volunteers not coming. On Saturday that week, about three weeks ago, Patrick called me up and we were talking about the hospitality workers being laid off and being disproportionately hit. And that's where we hit upon the idea. What if we take these hospitality workers, pay them some wage, and have them work at the food bank or other charities to help people do what they need to do, basically have people that know food to help people that need food. That's just a perfect example of how American business entrepreneurship minds can can tackle problems. And so, Patrick, you had this platform. How long did it take to go from, from this idea to actually getting workers from the platform into the North Texas Food Bank? Yeah, so it, you know, it happened very quickly. And what we did... Um, we first had the North Texas Food Bank as our anchor tenant to where we created the shifts. And then we partnered with some local restaurants, probably 30 restaurants at the time, to onboard a lot of their uh, workers. And we were doing shifts within three days of launching um, the, the idea. And we're now today at about 25 different locations. And what's interesting is that you know our software had this ability to do what we call high-volume, high-velocity um, onboarding and scheduling so we could get people dispatched quickly. Otherwise, you couldn't. And we had thousands of workers sign up for shifts. And we started deploying those just you know in that very first week and have only increased since. What's the capacity of this? Is, or is, are all of North Texas Food Banks and other organizations, are there volunteer needs being met through this? Is there still room for more people to be signing up? Like, what's, where are we at right now, Patrick? Yeah. So the answer to that is, 
you know, there is more need there. We, you know, we, we certainly haven't stopped on the need. There's a, um, a much larger population of unemployed or former hospitality workers. Um, so it's really just a matter of the shifts in, you know, in these other nonprofits. So we have partnerships going with some of the school districts um, where we're performing some of the, you know, volunteer shifts so that the kids can get their food that they would normally get coming to school. And so you can right. just Which see is a that really big this, number. Absolutely. You can just see how this scales uh, mightily from there. I think one thing that's important in just looking at the overall model is it was a way to really serve two needs, two essential needs with one program. And so it was the need for hunger relief matched with, you know, providing a basic income for um, you know, displaced workers. Well, and I want everyone to know too, you can, you can learn more about this, about the program at www.getshiftdone.org. Um, so one of the things too, that people are probably hearing about this and are thinking, wow, this is, this is a great idea. How can I, how can I help support it? Like those of us that are, are still financially in good shape that haven't really been affected by this on, on an employment level, um, Anurag is what's, what's the best way for, for people to help you guys out? You know, at this point in time, I will talk both from a get shift done as well as a North Texas food bank perspective. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing that people can do is definitely give us money. Um, like I told you, the food bank is seeing an unprecedented level of hunger. Um, the get shift done is getting calls every day about different organizations that need help. Um, you know, just to give you an idea, just in the two or three, two and a half weeks that we've operated, We've been able to serve about 2 million meals. We've put about 1,000 people to work, and we have about 6,000 people live on the platform. But I do think the missing factor right now is the funding. And, and not that we haven't raised a lot of funding, but more funding is certainly needed for this unprecedented level of uh, need. Well, yeah, you know, we had um, we just had on Jan Langbein from the Genesis Women's Shelter on recently, and we said this then, and we'll we'll say it again now that the Bush Center really does want to encourage everybody that has the capacity to give, either in the Dallas community or in their own community, to give to these organizations that are providing day to day services to a lot of people. If they, even during the best of times, are really quietly working in the background, supporting supporting people in need. And Andrew, I do want to recognize the Bush Center for their part in all of this. They have certainly given to us. The employees got together and gave. The Bush Center has given. People around the Bush Center have given to us because of the word spread by you guys. So thank you so much for that. I think it's also an important moment for the Bush Center to help galvanize people. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. So thank you very much for that. Oh, you're very welcome. We're, we're thrilled to be able to help. No, of course, Andrew. Both organizations have a website that if we can push out at the end in some way, along with your podcast, we'll put it there. And there's a very easy link for you guys to give as well. And we're looking for other ideas. If you have thoughts, ideas, improvements, we're certainly here to listen to you. Great. And we also have also coming up on May 5th uh, is um, another North Texas, uh, North Texas Giving Day, too, which I will be a part of, right? That's exactly right. Uh, the Communities Foundation has done a fantastic job organizing, help us pulling this whole thing together. And, you know, they're very large in the North Texas Giving Day. So we're automatically part of that. But the Communities Foundation is doing a huge job, just like you guys are in the community here. Well, Anurag, thank you again for for saying that, and I think I can speak on behalf of the Bush Center here, and is saying that I know we're really we're really proud to be a part of the Dallas community, which has shown itself time and time again to be both innovative and generous, and so we want to make sure that we're doing our part to be as supportive of Dallas as it's been of us. 
So Patrick, if, you know, if I happen to know someone that's, that's looking that that's a shift worker, that's looking to pick up shifts, what, is there a way for them to get involved? What's the, what's the best thing to tell those folks? Yeah. So if they could go to the website, there's a link to just download the app and it puts you right into the get shift done category. So you are, you know, immediately, um, badged as I want to you know pick up shifts for the get shift done category. The, the other thing that's great is, you know, there are a lot of opportunities that are out there that have been, you know, they're very, very creative, um, you know, kind of as you know, the world is, is evolving and, you know, you'll see uh, a lot of companies are hiring right now. And I think just getting into something like doing, you know, get shift done shifts and getting out and working, there's more opportunities of other companies that are hiring aggressively. And so maybe it's a change of career. Maybe it's opening your eyes to something new or meeting someone new, but there are a lot of people still hiring and there's, you know, maybe some opportunities there as well. Right. And so what's, what's next for you, for, for this platform? Are y'all looking to scale? Have other, have other cities or um, metropolitan areas looked into either the platform or doing something similar in their areas? That's a great question, Andrew. So as you may have it, um, the good news is we started this little thing. Three weeks later, we've grown it. We've raised quite a bit of money. And we're doing fairly well in the North Texas area. We've got a bunch of phone calls from other cities, probably about 15 cities. Oh, wow. Just this week, in fact, yesterday, we went live in El Paso. There's a press release around that today, mm-hmm. uh, which is, again, a community has been pretty badly hit by hunger because of the coronavirus. Um, we're probably looking at other cities like New Orleans, Washington, D.C., uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas, and a whole bunch of other cities around that that are having conversations with us. So we're very excited and proud to take this model outside of North Texas. And that's just absolutely remarkable for three weeks of doing this. Patrick, do you have a sense for how long y'all will be will keep this going? Or are you looking at this as a temporary fix or something that will go on for a while? Yeah. So, Andrew, when we started this, we this was pre- uh, shelter in place, pre shutdown of, of restaurants and hotels. And so when, you know, Anurag and I decided to, to create this temporary relief fund, we thought this was a, a short term bridge, a six to eight week bridge while these, you know, before restaurants reopened. And maybe that was optimistically thinking, but as, you know, time has gone on, it's, you know, looking closer to an eight to 10 weeks um, and impacting a lot more people. So, you know, we are going to continue to try to, provide this as a bridge and support it. We are optimistic and hopeful that we go back and the economy is robust again, and we can rely back on the volunteers and the school systems to deliver meals. But until that time, you know, we're going to continue to be committed in providing a collaborative solution to the market. Well, and, you know, years ago, actually, I, I volunteered at the North Texas Food Bank for a day, and um, I helped load boxes and move boxes around. And I wasn't I was, uh, at the time, I was a fairly young and strapping lad. As I've gotten older, I probably move even slower now. Um, has this, has this program been effective as far as, as far as the workers you're getting, you, you're probably getting different folks in than we went as a, as a work team building, um, activity and just volunteered for a day. We had to spend a day getting trained and then coming right out and you never saw us. You didn't see us again for a while. Is, has this been effective just from a productivity standpoint? It's an amazing question, Andrew. That's, one of the side benefits of this. So, you know, volunteers, we love them. They're great, great hard people come and work. But these guys are professionals. These guys and gals are professionals. So what we found is that when we ask for 70 volunteers, usually 50 or 60 will show up. 
When we asked for 70 employees, 100 would show up. That's how much people want to work. But the right. other interesting thing was their productivity was twice that of a volunteer. Oh, Again, wow. These are used to be in restaurant floors, they're hustling, they're running, and they know food. So that part has been completely heartening. The other interesting thing is that we have employees from all of the met- all over the Metroplex reaching out to us, trying to get to work. They, will, they have driven often an hour or two hours to get three or four or five hours of shift work. So it's amazing to see these people that really want to get to work as soon as they can for how many hours they can. Right. So on a, on a little bit of a different tact, I think it's fair to say y'all are both serial entrepreneurs. Your, your background is in, is in creating ideas and getting them done. What, what would you say to other entrepreneurs right now that the, the, the world is in a tough place? There's not, it's, it might be tough to have ideas right now. What, how would you encourage or what would you say to, to others that are, that are kind of in your shoes? And either one of you feel free to jump in. Sure. Th- thanks, Andrew. So, you know, what we did here was combine, you know, our talents and our, you know, technology platform in this case with tools and our operational, you know, knowledge to uh, assets and, and infrastructure that already existed and just had a temporary um, you know, shortage. So whether it was the volunteers or the school system. So we didn't try to recreate the wheel. We, we um, were very decisive and collaborative and combining assets to try to get max leverage. And so I think what I would say is, you know, when you look at the world is changing quickly, it needs decisive action. You've got a set of skills, you've got a set of you know, tools and see where you can apply that with the most need and leverage. And, you know, I believe, and it's one of the things that aligns, you know, Anurag and, and me in this endeavor is if you do good things, you know, good things are going to happen to you. And, and I think that we're doing good things. We're making a difference in people's lives. And hopefully we're also, you know, setting a standard for, you know, other people to just do what they can, whatever that is. Anurag, would you add anything to that? Um, what I would add is just the fact uh, that, you know, Bringing people together and organizing in a virtual environment is possible. We have really not stepped out of our houses that much to get this done. We haven't been in an office. So it is possible to take the skill sets that we've built, the technology that we have had, the experiences that we've gotten over the years and times, pull it all together and do something for community. And last point is the need for food, the hunger question is just coming up larger and larger. Look, we had a hunger problem in this country before COVID hit us. I will tell you that COVID has been an accelerant to that problem. It is something we need to get in front, on the table, talk about it more, and really get all hands on deck to get as much as possible to the people that need it. Well, I mean, it's an, it's an incredible story in that y'all, y'all did this and you had the idea and you're executing and you're, you're, moving, you're moving bodies and within days of having the idea. And I think that's something that we're... we're seeing a little bit too as as folks are trying to help the medical community get access to protective equipment and um assist these these fast moving ideas are are just an, uh, incredibly important in a time like this where things are are changing so much right that's in this incredible the ingenuity of the american people is also coming to the fore which is an amazing trade i mean i heard about a friend of mine that has shipped a bunch of 3d printers and they're 3d printing ppe for the healthcare workers through a design that he came up with. I've heard of other people that want to deliver uh, food to people that need it, uh, especially healthcare workers. So you just see these different ideas come to bear at a time like this. It's wonderful to see the community come to call to action. And Patrick, have you, what kind of, have you seen some examples too? I'd love to hear what, what you've heard from, from your side of the world too. 
Yes, maybe on a, a smaller, more micro scale, we've seen a lot of the uh, folks in the restaurant industry do things like um, feed the front line where you know some of the investors in the restaurant will continue to contribute to the restaurant to where they can keep the workers working and delivering food to the to the front line. And you know when you see that happening, you know in a little bit more of um, you know kind of a grassroots, movement, you know, it's, it, it does build a sense of community. It keeps people, you know, active, involved and engaged. And, and I think, you know, just that spirit, you know, keeping uh, alive and, you know, a time that with a lot of uncertainty and a, and a lot of negative news, I think is, you know, very ins- inspirational and aspirational. Andrew, I want to, I, I do want to say one thing, Andrew, maybe you asked this question earlier, but I do want to talk about at the end of the day, we're impacting the average worker that has been hit harder than some others. Uh, and the stories have, have been incredible. We met a worker that took a train and two buses just to get to the food bank because they wanted the three or four hours worth of work. We saw many, many people stay back past when the clock was done to just help clean up, get things organized. And at all points, we're extremely thankful for two or three things. One is to have the hours of work but the second thing is to have the hours of work where they're making an impact to help others that might be in their situation. I think this whole crisis has really taught us as a society is that it's every single role that we all play is, 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 is incredibly important. And when you take out, whether it's not just the medical community, but you've got the folks that are not just the checkout folks at the grocery store that you that you interact with every day, but the ones that are filling the shelves, the the truck drivers that are delivering the goods across state lines, that there's all each and every role that everybody plays, regardless of of in what industry is is heightened. And when when we start losing workers out of these different industries, whether that's because of the economy or because of illness, we we see a, a ripple effect all the way through. You're exactly right, Andrew. And we need to protect these workers. Uh, we need to protect the back end that keeps this country running, um, that protects all of us. And anything we can do to help those people continue doing what they're doing, but help them at their jobs and keep them safe is very, very important. One of the things that we always do before we let anybody go from from the show is that we, um, and President Bush has had to tackle this and, and among, among everybody else has come through, is we ask what uh, one of two questions, either what has no one... Um, what has no one asked you before that you wish they would? And the other one is, what are we as a nation not talking enough about that we should be talking about? So I think I'll have each of you answer one of them. And whoever goes first gets to pick which one they answer. Patrick, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah, you go first. You go first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can buy yourself some time by letting the other go first. Well, but then you might lose I, your pick I, I of which I, question I, you want. I, I think we I think we were both going to answer the same question, so I was going to I was going to defer, let him go for it. Yeah, <laughs> um, Andrew. One thing that all of us are trained in all over the world is we learn things in increments. We learn about linear curves. We learn that you know one plus one plus one equals three, that kind of thing, right? In at the time of a pandemic, you have this new concept that only mathematicians talk about, which is logarithmic curves. You go 1, 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000. And that's how a pandemic grows. But that's exactly how hunger is growing in this country as well. We've, not, we've gone from 3% or 4% unemployment to possibly 25% unemployment in the span of four weeks or five weeks. That is exactly like the pandemic. It's a logarithmic growth. 
And for most people, their minds can't fathom that. And it's very important that we continue this discussion and continue this topic and make sure we break it up and bring it to everybody's attention because all of us can do just a little bit more to make sure we feed everybody we can. Mm-hmm. And Patrick, I won't actually hold you to that. You can answer either one also. I, I wouldn't actually make you answer the one you don't want to. Well, it felt like he answered both, kind of. So I, mean, I, can, <laughs> well, I can. He's an overachiever. Yeah, I can. I can probably split. It. I, you know, I think it just. It, you know, as a nation, we have spent a lot of time right now talking about you know COVID and some of the immediate um, you know crisis that it's brought on. I, I do think there are some silver linings here, and you know, just having the opportunity to you know work with people like Honorog, and then I, I think about you know my own you know company that you know the the employees how they've rallied the investors even though, you know, financially, you know, this had a negative impact on us. Um, we, we did live for a, you know, a higher, you know, purpose for this particular, you know, need that was out there. We felt like we had something that we could bring. And so to, to be very direct to your question, um, on, you know, what, what as a nation we can do is I think that with, we can harness more of this type of work when, you know, things aren't at crisis level. It's just, it's amazing how many more people might, not be hungry or how many more people might you know, have a job or how healthcare might be more available. And it's just, we sometimes have these forcing functions like we do right now. And, and I think that when this settles, it's really important that we, you know, we rethink how we approach things and not go back to, you know, the normal and forget this. And a lot of times as a country, we have a short, short memory on a uh, crisis like this. That's true. That's a, that's actually a great point that we you do hear us talking a lot about. Oh, what are the long term negative effects of this going to be like? But you're right. There, it's it's important to think about what are the long term positive effects of having helped our neighbors out. And there's one other thing I do want to talk about before we close the showdown, and that Please. is while all of us as a business community and a nonprofit community have come together. I feel like it would not be possible without the help of the state and government officials. And I've been surprised at the agility and the speed and the amount of work they've done. And I have to recognize, given that we're talking to the Bush Center, that George Bush, our president, talked about this pandemic in 2005. Yeah, the uh, ABC News just ran a story on that, indeed. Did they? I mean, I just read up on it. I was surprised. I didn't know about it. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he, I think the the story went that he had he had read a book about um, the I believe it was the flu pandemic of the ni- of the early 1900s and said what yeah. what do we do if something like this happens again and and task some some people with making sure that we had we had a base level of readiness. Amazing. So that's our leadership and our leadership. I've seen the best of our leadership in this process. Well, you know, both of you guys are examples of of great leaders who are solving the problems that are in front of them and in ways that only they can solve it, which is exactly what, you know, the country needs right now. And so I can't, can't thank both of you enough for the work that you're doing and for spending a little time with us today when you've got a lot going on, you've, you've got this idea going that you've, you've turned the community upside down in a good way with. So thank y'all both so much for the time that you've spent. Andrew, thank you. This is great. Thank you very much for having us, Andrew. And again, learn more about Get Shift Done at www.getshiftdone.org and North Texas Food Bank also at www.northtexasfoodbank.org. Um, and everybody, make sure to wash your hands and stay safe. Thanks, you, thanks, you guys. Thank you, Andrew.
One more time, you can learn more about the project at www.getshiftdone.org, about the North Texas Food Bank and their work at ntfb.org, and about the ShiftSmart technology platform at www.shiftsmart.com. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to help us spread the word about The Strategist, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening apps. If you're tuning in on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll find episode notes with helpful information and details you may have missed. The Strategist was produced by Ioana Pappas at the George W. Bush Institute in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for listening.